just because a situation, a job, an organization, a role has been a good fit for you in the past does not mean that it continues to be that today. And every now and again, we need to reassess whether we have outgrown our current environment. Let's talk about growing pains, y'all. Welcome to the Graceful Hustle Podcast, where people of faith learn how to amplify their professional impact. I'm your host, Monique Carkham Edwards, a New Orleans girl who loves seafood, a wannabe fashion stylist, wife, and mother. I'm also an executive strategist, attorney, and pastor, and I'm here to help you get to the C-suite with your soul right. Welcome to the Graceful Hustle podcast. This week, we are talking about growing pains, 10 signs that it's time to move on. This topic came to me because over the past three months or so, I have had the opportunity to speak with both present and former clients who have said some variation of this to me. Mo, What's been really good about this pandemic is that it has given me the time to step back and think about where I am in my career, the role that I hold currently in my organization, and whether it is right for me at this time. And one of the things that the pandemic has done, and I said this at the outset, is it gives so much time for reflection. So yes, there were many of us who were thrown into survival mode and we had some things that we had to figure out really quickly back in March or April. But by May or so, we figured some things out and we were able to get into a new normal. And because we were not yet back to social and professional commitments and in-person events, our life had a slower pace. And that slower pace, along with the summertime, gave us time to really step back and think about some things. And so I've had this conversation with a few of my clients who have said, oh, I just feel this unrest. I feel this uneasiness. I took your advice and I took the summer to think about my career and where I am and what I want to do with it. And several have come to the conclusion that they have outgrown where they presently are. And so I want to talk to you about 10 signs that it's time to move on. And let me tell you why I think this is an important topic. You might not be able to move on right now. You're saying, Mo, listen, we're we're in the middle of a global pandemic and a recession, not the time to change jobs, not a lot of jobs out there. And that's okay, because before you do anything in reality, you do it in your mind first. And so what I want to challenge you as you listen to this is to say, listen, if I'm hearing some of these signs, I might need to begin thinking about how I would move on from where I am and what that would look like. Nobody's saying that you have to quit your job today or you have to change jobs this month. Another thing I want to raise is this. It's important to assess where you are 
and be honest about that. Because when you remain in a situation that you have outgrown, you become compromised. Your professional development becomes compromised. Your growth becomes compromised. Your perspective becomes compromised. And so I hope that this will embolden you to think clearly and soberly about where you are. You know, when we think about growth and development, it's very natural for me as a woman, and especially as a mother, and every parent can relate to this, to think about the development of a child. We know that a normal term pregnancy is, you know, 40 weeks, and some women give birth at 38 weeks, others at 39 or 40, but typically the obstetrician won't let you go much past 40 weeks. Why? Because if the baby remains in the womb much past 40 weeks, all kinds of complications can arise that would impair the baby's further development. So after 40 weeks, if you haven't gone into labor on your own, the obstetrician will typically induce the mother um, so that you can go into labor, so that you can have contractions that will help push the baby out. And it's those contractions, the pressure, the pushing, the squeezing, the discomfort, those uncomfortable circumstances, those are the things that help force the baby out. And so induction is used when the baby needs to come out, but the mother has not gone into labor on her own when labor doesn't commence naturally. And so as you're listening to some of these signs, the 10 signs that it's time to move on, some of them may be painful, but perhaps they are simply you being induced in order to become so uncomfortable that you need to move on. So I just want you to keep that in mind as you listen. And I'm going to weave in some of my own testimony and some of the stuff I've dealt with because I have had... Uh, not a few of these happened to me. I've had more than a couple. And we'll try to change names to protect the innocent. All right. So number one, there is no room for growth. What do I mean by there's no room for growth? You are not moving towards more fulfilling, more enriching career goals. It's hard to stay motivated and productive when you feel like you have hit the top of your career ladder. So if you look around your current organization and you see that, wow, there's really nowhere for me to go, that might be a sign that it's time to move on. Now, let me give a caveat. Some of us are in very flat organizations. So just because you can't move up in title or level does not necessarily mean that there's no room for growth. You can grow through lateral moves. You can grow in place by expanding your current scope and responsibilities. You can grow through special projects, which I'll talk about a little bit later, but there needs to be some opportunity to engage in work that is meaningful, skill building that can lead to growth and professional development. If there is no room or opportunity for growth, then that is probably a sign that you need to move on. Number two, you aren't getting new opportunities to learn. These two usually go hand in hand and you'll see that some of these 10 do overlap, but you're not getting new opportunities to learn. When you look ahead at your goals for 2021, you can't see anything that is intellectually stimulating 
or anything that satisfies you creatively. In other words, there's nothing in your job really to look forward to in terms of learning a new skill or learning or deepening some current expertise. Third, not only is there no room for growth and there are no new opportunities to learn, but there's no one to learn from. What's the sign that there's no one to learn from? People ask you for advice on how to get things done at work, but you have no one to ask for advice. You mentor or sponsor other people, but there is no one to mentor or sponsor you. You would love to know the answers to certain questions and toss around some things that might be strategic in nature. Uh, you might want to talk about the major strategic priorities for the organization and how you can help the organization reach those, but there's no one for you to really have those kinds of conversations with. You would love to have discussions about how you could enlarge your role to have more influence on the company's bottom line and how to positively impact your company's results. But once again, nobody wants to have those conversations. In other words, you don't see anyone around you at work that inspires you, makes you reach higher. There's no one that you can say, wow, this person really pushes me to be better. And there's no one that you can look up to or learn from. That's a sign that it's time to move on. Number four, and this is a big one. Do not underestimate number four. You do not align with the company's core values. I cannot stress this enough. In the clients that I've coached, the executives that I've talked to, the CEOs that I have talked to and facilitated roundtables with, there are so many times when there is a clash in core values. And that, my friends, is hard to overcome. You, it is very difficult, extremely difficult to overcome a clash in values. You know, once I was in an organization and, and I realized that I had some core values that didn't align with the organizations. And I wondered why I was perpetually frustrated. So, you know, I had core values, for instance, that prioritized process and performance excellence, values that said that continuous professional development was paramount and important. But when I looked around, I realized that part of the tension that I was experiencing, a big part of the tension that I was experiencing was because the culture at this nonprofit where I worked, they didn't value that. Those things weren't valued to the same degree, if at all, really. And so let's take process excellence as an example. To the extent that my senior leadership cared about those things, and trust me, it, it wasn't a high degree of care, but to the extent that they cared about them, my boss had a posture that said, listen, that applies to other folks, it doesn't apply to me. So he would discard any and all processes if they inconvenienced him. And so it was good for everybody else, or at least he would tolerate everybody else engaging in this level of performance and process excellence, but he wasn't going to do it, <laughs> which said that it wasn't really something that was valued. You know, another example, as I said, was professional development. 
My boss at the time took absolutely no personal responsibility for developing his senior leaders. If you wanted to go to a conference, great, they'd pay for it. If you want to buy a book and read it, great, good, clap, 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 that's great. But the message was clear. You were there to work and to serve and to be a resource to pull from, but you were not someone to be invested in. No judgment on that dynamic. It just didn't align at all with my values. Hashtag time to go. So that's number four. You don't align with the company's core values. Number five, your salary hasn't budged. Let's talk about it. I'm a big proponent of making sure that you are valued and not just utilized. Utilized looks like you're busy. Okay, you're overworked, you're dependent on. That's great. Nothing wrong with being busy. But valued looks like you are included, you're respected. There's opportunity for advancement and development. And value also looks like market compensation at a minimum. So if your salary hasn't moved, that might be an indication that you need to. Over what period of time, Monique? Listen, it varies in different industries. It varies at different levels. But if you have just been merely getting cost of living adjustment raises for the past two to three years, or the past two to three performance cycles, and you know that others in the organization have been getting five, six percent, ten percent, whatever, that's a sign that you need to pay attention to. And your posture needs to be, bottom line, I'm going to need y'all to run me my check. And if you can't, then it might be a sign that it's time for me to move on. Number six, you become a professional daydreamer. <laughs> I know you're supposed to be a CPA, an attorney, uh, a teacher, a professor. You're supposed to be all these other things, but you are a professional daydreamer. You dream a daydream about how wonderful... It would be to have a job where you could do cool, different, forward-thinking, innovative things and your job currently just does not let you do any of that stuff. And at this point, you look around and you realize that you're the only dream and nobody else really wants to make this a reality. And so that may be a sign that it's time to move on. You don't have the space to grow, develop, innovate, and evolve. So you just become a work daydreamer. And a lot of times when we daydream, we are guilty of doing number seven, which is you watch the clock. You are constantly bored. There are projects and activities that used to excite you, but now you feel bored with them. You've done that one or two cycles or three cycles or five cycles, and now you're tired of doing it. You've done the same thing so many times that you don't feel like there's learning or growth or any challenge in those things anymore. And so you're essentially coasting. You find yourself looking at the clock constantly. You know, one of my clients said to me, she said, Mo, they could pay a trained monkey to do what I'm doing. I've done it so many times, I can do it with my eyes closed. It's time for that sister to move on. But, and this gets to number eight, just because you're busy, so you're sitting there bored, twiddling your thumbs, you're watching the clock. But again, just because you're busy and working hard doesn't mean you should stay. Remember, you want to be valued, not just utilized. 
And I learned this firsthand when I was with an organization that I was actually going in to give my resignation because I needed to move on to something else for financial reasons. And I went in to give my resignation and I said, no, 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 no. My boss said, wait, no, 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 no. Uh, I think there's more for you here. Let's, let's talk about it. And so I was asked to take a position for which I was more than qualified and I had more than proven my value to this organization for years. And everything was going good with the proposal for me to stay until it came time to talk about money. Now, mind you, I was working like a slave for this organization. I'm talking about working my behind off for this organization. And when we got to salary negotiations, while I understood the budget impact and I understood the, the, just the realistic financial parameters of the organization, I asked for a salary that was not enormous or exorbitant, but certainly it was indicative of a certain amount of value within the organization. And you'd have thought I pulled out a gun and started pistol whipping people. It was like, oh my gosh, it, it was a whole bunch of blowback, a whole bunch of blowback. And eventually I did get what I was asking for, but begrudgingly they gave it to me. And that amount I later learned was only a couple of percentage points more than what my male colleague was getting who was doing half the work I was doing. So listen, y'all, I made a mental note about the number of teeth I had to pull to get my check. Why? Because it was a very loud and clear signal that while I had been utilized and I was utilized so much that when I went into leave, they didn't want to let me go, but I wasn't valued enough for them to pay me commensurate with that. And so that was cool. I got the message that what I was doing was not valued or respected. And so I made a strategic decision to take the role. I was going to flex my skill set and, and do a couple things, get a couple of wins under my belt that I could put on my resume. And about a year later, I started looking and about 18 months later, I landed a promotion at another company where the respect and the inclusion and the coins were just right. Remember, you want to be valued, not just utilized. So that's number eight. If you are utilized, but you don't have the signs of being valued, respected, included, uh, developed, and compensated, it might be time to bounce. Number nine, there's tension between you, you and your boss, and or other team members. Tension. I don't mean we disagreed over the direction of one particular project. I don't mean your boss has a contrarian view of what it is that he wants to see. It's different from what you want. I mean, there is ongoing tension that comes from a fundamental disconnect, ongoing tension that comes from a fundamental misalignment. It could be ongoing tension that stems because you are experiencing numbers one through eight that I talked about. And so you are carrying all this tension. Your boss thinks th things are coolly high. He 
thinks that things or she thinks that things are fantastic, but you got all this other stuff going on that they might not even know about. And there's tension. Why is there tension? Because when you stay in a place that you have outgrown, just like a baby in the womb, 40 weeks, it's time to come out. The mother and that baby are experiencing some tension. When you stay in a place that you have outgrown, tension is inevitable. So pull out your tension meter, assess where it's coming from. This could be a sign that it's time to move on. And then number 10, you know you can contribute more in your current role, but your job doesn't allow you to. This looks like you propose ideas and projects and they get shot down. You think of innovative ways to do things and you are told, no, that's not how we do stuff here. You come up with processes, systems, procedures, approaches that could not just lift the, your value contribution, but could lift how you do things across the board and everybody's contribution, a rising tide lifts all boats and is shot down. And this is when you know it's the worst. I had a client say this to me. You have been conditioned not to even say anything because you know when you open your mouth, folk are going to either give you the eye roll, oh, there he or she goes again, or folk are going to run screaming from the conference room like their hair is on fire because what you're saying is, is too much for them. And all that's happening, but you are trapped in this little box and you're losing your mind. Boo, you are trying to force your gift, your experience, or your expertise into a space that is simply too small to accommodate it. This is a sign that it's time to move on. So listen, I gave you these 10 signs. Let's talk about what to do briefly before we close this episode. Number one, talk to your boss. If you've evaluated these 10 signs and let's say you don't see all of them, but you see a few of them, I'm gonna tell you three signs that if you see these three signs, there may be hope for you where you are. One of those is you aren't getting new opportunities to learn. Talk to your boss. Maybe there are things that you aren't aware of, things that she hasn't thought of, and there's something, a plan that you guys can put together to make what you're doing much more developmental and valuable than it is currently. Same thing with you become a work daydreamer. You're daydreaming about something. Now, assuming you're not daydreaming about a whole different career, there might be some aspects of your daydream. What excites me about this daydream? Am I leading? Am I developing others? What excites me about this daydream is I get to engage in some amount of creativity. What excites me about this daydream is much of my work is self-directed. These are general principles that you can extract from your daydream and say, ha, huh, maybe if these are the things that I'm looking for, to what extent can I get this in my current environment? And when I say current environment, be sure to separate your job from your company. You might be in the wrong role with the right company. 
you may have outgrown this role, but there is still other opportunity for you in another division, in a subsidiary, in another department. So if you are, you aren't getting new opportunities to learn, you've become a work daydreamer, or you watch the clock and you're constantly bored, the conversation with your boss could have some value because there might be some things that you can do in order to alleviate those circumstances. But if you're dealing with a lot of the other things like trying to force your gift to fit into a space that's too small to accommodate it. There's tension between you and your boss. There's absolutely no room for growth. You aren't getting any new opportunities to learn. You, you, um, I'm sorry, you, um, there's no one to learn from. You don't align with the company's values. Your salary has been frozen in time for a while. It might be time to bounce. Now listen, finding a new job isn't like talking about it, especially in our current environment. So let's talk about what do you do? You may say, Mo, listen, I don't think this is fixable. I got like, you gave me 10, I got like eight signs that this is not the place for me. I've outgrown this. Let's talk about what you can do. Start your job search process by doing some soul searching, turn inward and figure out what do you like about your current job and what can't you stand? What do you want to move away from? What are you hoping to get out of your next job? What's most important to you? Where are you willing to compromise? For instance, are you willing to relocate? Are you willing to change industries? We have to be realistic because we are in the middle of a global pandemic and a looming recession. And when there's an economic downturn or recession, some industries just simply aren't going to hire. So there might be some shifts that you need to make in order to position yourself within an industry that is looking to hire. There's some industries that traditionally have been thought of as growth industries and they will always need more workers in order to function well. So think about what services and industries have you identified that will always be needed. In this environment, construction and retail are probably going to see and have seen a whole bunch of layoffs and they're going to struggle during the recession. But there's some other industries that might not. IT probably won't. Energy, healthcare, uh, legal, R&D, education. So, and, and given the virtual world, there are a lot of cottage industries that have sprung up around our need to do things and our continuing desire to do things virtually. So be honest with yourself and kick off your job search with a serious list of what your priorities are that are right for you. And you can't have a list of 10 priorities, otherwise nothing is really a priority. I would say try to hit your top three to five priorities. So that's that. Once you've answered those questions, get your resume in order and revise it consistent with the kind of job that you're looking for. I would recommend hiring a professional resume writer. Two things at work here. Number one, I think it's always helpful to have somebody stand outside of your resume and be able to ask questions, draw things out, challenge you on some things, because there are things that you probably have taken for granted or explained well. There are things that you have probably taken for granted are not impressive, but they are. And there might be some things you've put on there that you think imp are impressive, but others are not going to find. So a third party objective eyes on it. It's always a good thing. The other thing is professional resume writers 
usually know the right words that are going to trigger a lot of the automated systems that companies use these days. You are not emailing your resume to directly to the HR director. It just doesn't work like that. It all goes through a system, an HR system, software, app that companies use to decide if they are going to if a resume is going to get past a certain place. So if you are applying cold to a company, a trained professional resume writer can help you put in some of the things, some of these words. It's almost like search engine optimization that will help pull your resume to the top. But hopefully, if you've been listening to my podcast, you've been networking, networking, and so you have somebody that you can hand a resume to within the organization. So that's, that's the second thing that you should do if you've assessed, listen, it is time for me to move on. How do I get myself ready to do that? The third thing that I would say is get your house in order. And I mean that literally. These days, job seekers need a home office. During COVID, we are not doing in-person interviews in many places yet. So you need a clean, neat, but not overly personal space. What do I mean by that? You don't need a fancy office, but a clear, uncluttered wall, a background, or if you have to have something in the background, a neat bookshelf. Some good lighting and a strong Wi-Fi connection can go a long way to making a strong first impression. If you are on Zoom or WebEx or whatever platform you're on, and I'm interviewing you and I see a headboard and a dresser in the background, it's going to be hard for me to take you seriously. If I see your laundry, it's a wrap. Like, it's, it's not even happening. So take the time to set up. Doesn't have to be fancy. Doesn't have to be expensive. But you need good lighting. You need a clear backdrop. And you need a strong Wi-Fi connection. Well, Mo, can I just use the virtual backgrounds that are all the rage? I would avoid virtual backgrounds if I could, as I find them distracting due to blending issues, especially when the candidate begins to move around the edges of the candidate's uh, frame. You start to see the, the little blending issues that come up. I find it distracting. So if you don't have a, a clear, solid wall, I would invest in one of those green screens or, and sometimes they're green and they flip over to blue that you can prop up behind you. You can get one on Amazon, I think for less than 80 bucks. So that's what I would also do because you never know when you're going to get that phone call or that email with someone wanting to interview you. So be ready for that. The other thing is, and we talked about this before, network. Now we're networking in digital spaces now. So now is the time to update that LinkedIn profile because some companies are still hiring and many of them, healthcare, logistics, those who provide services for remote work, they are having to ramp up their recruitment to meet increased demand. So companies are not doing face-to-face, -face, so likely they're going to turn to LinkedIn to find some candidates. So make sure that your profile is up to date and that you've provided some real quantifiable achievements in your work descriptions. And again, this is where your professional resume writer can help you. And so, cause that's what somebody's going to scan to decide if you're going to move to the next phase or not. And then I would say, while I usually preach thinking long-term, I am going to say change your thinking and let's think short-term for a minute. 
one of the things that we have to acknowledge that is that we're living in a time when things are changing rapidly, very rapidly. And it can be a little hard to plan two, three, five years out. But one of the things you do want to say is, what are my needs in the next quarter? What are my needs in the next half year? So do I need to build a financial cushion? If so, I might need to plan to look stay in my current role, make myself satisfied where I am, or at least make it tolerable and look for the next year while I squirrel away some cash. Maybe you're in a financial position to be able to focus solely on professional opportunities with the understanding that, you know, finding the next position could take you a long time in this pandemic. You know, conventional wisdom says that it takes about a month to find a job for every $10,000 you hope to earn. So in some cases, it can take even longer to not just find a job, but to find one that is the right fit. So you gotta think short term, what do I need? Can I afford to be an independent contractor or a freelancer? It's not for everybody, but it may still allow you to bring in an income and keep your professional skills fresh if full-time opportunities aren't presenting themselves, but you have to be able to carry that fully loaded. You have to be able to carry your insurance and you're without benefits. And so there are all of these things that you have to consider, but you need to think short-term as well as long-term. And lastly, I'm going to say this, that projects are the new interviews. So for almost any position of importance, you will be asked, not just case study questions, but you might be given a case study of some sort. You might be given a project. You might be given a, something to actually do and turn over to them, back to them a work product so that they can assess, can you really do all these wonderful things you said on your resume? So projects in many ways are the new interviews. I was just on with one of my CEOs who was talking about how he's looking to hire two people in a very senior engineering role. And what he is going to do is give them both the same project. And he is going to have them, uh, he's going to pay them a small, a independent, as independent contractors to work on these, on the project, give a plan and a proposal for how they would approach it. And he's going to assess not only their competence, but he's going to assess their innovation. He's going to assess their expertise. He's going to assess their familiarity and their level of expertise with different tools. So again, projects are the new interviews. Make sure that you are prepared as uh, for the typical kinds of projects that may come up in your uh, industry and for your position and be prepared to interact with and to respond to those requests. So that's the end of the Graceful Hustle podcast episode. I think it's number 46, y'all. Growing pains. 10 signs that it's time to move on. So before we close out, I just want to remind you all that my book, The Snatchback, is available. It is available at the um, URL thesnatchbackbook.com. You can go there, you can order. There is a code that you need to enter the website in order to place the order. It is one woman 2020, capital O-N-E, capital W-O-M-A-N 2020. You can go on there and pre-order the book. And I will put the link 
and the code in the show notes to this episode. So this has been the Graceful Hustle Podcast with yours truly, Monique Harkham Edwards. I pray that this was a blessing to you. If it was, share with somebody so they can hear it as well. And until next time, y'all take good care and I'll see you at the top.